Welcome to the Lawyerist Podcast with Sam Glover and Aaron Street. Each week, Lawyerist brings you advice and interviews to help you build a more successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. And now, here are Sam and Aaron. Hi, I'm Sam Glover. And I'm Aaron Street, and this is episode 101 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. This is our first episode of 2017. Yay! Today, we're talking with Drew Amoroso about fitness law and working out with clients. Today's podcast is sponsored by Ruby Receptionists and its smart, charming receptionists who are perfect for small firms. Visit callruby.com slash lawyerist to get a risk-free trial with Ruby. Today's podcast is sponsored by Spotlight Branding. Learn how they use the internet to make all of your law firm marketing and business development more profitable by visiting spotlightbranding.com slash lawyerist. And today's podcast is sponsored by FreshBooks, which is ridiculously easy to use and packed with powerful features. Try it now at freshbooks.com slash lawyerist and enter lawyerist in the how did you hear about us section. So, Aaron, today talking to Drew, he has a niche or a, or a niche. I can't decide how I say that. Niche. Yeah. You're absurd. <laughs> Aaron hates the way I say absurd, or at least he thinks it's very funny. Because it's pronounced absurd. You're absurd. Um, so, anyway, Drew has a niche that's really just a small business law practice, uh, but he kind of has a marketing pitch. He's fitness law. And so, I'm wondering how far does that go? Like, could Drew just throw up another website and be the mall kiosk lawyer or the kid party clown lawyer? and I mean, because it seems to me that you're, if you're the fitness lawyer, you're always going to win against the generic small business lawyer. So, wouldn't it make sense to like just make all of those landing pages or try to brand yourself as those things? No. <laughs> so, no. He is not the fitness lawyer all right. because of his website. He is the fitness lawyer because he is the lawyer of the fitness tribe. He's in the group. That That's what makes him the fitness lawyer, not because of some opt-in landing page that is SEO optimized for clown car lawyer. No. So, this is an example of um, being too simplistic in your thinking about marketing. Me? Like there are lots of lawyers who think, okay, I'm going to throw up a landing page for this practice area and this practice area. No, and this okay. no don't do that. Don't be <laughs> fake. If you're going to be the X lawyer, you need to be a part of X. Well, so then I'm wondering like, uh, you could you could hang out in mall kiosk bars and then go to fitness workouts, but it's really a matter to of be like... the mall kiosk lawyer. <laughs> you hang out in the mall kiosk. Bar. I don't know. There's probably a clown. This is the best example <laughs> I've ever heard. Well, as you pointed out to me a minute ago, the practice area niche. We actually know somebody who is in the mall kiosk tribe. So like, he is. He, he's a member of the kiosk <laughs> hall of fame. So like, if there's a trade journal for it, you can probably join. There's probably a tribe that you can build for it. Oh, God. We are falling apart. But I mean, like, I'm trying to think, like, how many tribes could I realistically be sure. in? Sure. So, music lawyers usually actually play an instrument. And when they get together with their clients, they fucking jam. Right. And they, and they talk about the contract and the record deal and whatnot. Right. Like, like Joe from a couple weeks ago can whip out the saxophone and jam with anybody. Yeah. Matt Ritter, who has written for us in the past, yep. stand-up comedian, fucking cracks jokes with his clients. Yep. And Drew, as you'll find out, goes and works out with his clients. And so, like, it kind of feels like I've been saying this in long... Jeff Cohen, Chunk from Goonies, <laughs> entertainment lawyer. The child lawyer lawyer, or the child so actor So, is Josh Sta Saviano, 
from yeah. Wonder Years. Yeah. Yeah, child actors as entertainment lawyers. It works. I, which I guess is sort you of... you got to be part of the tribe if you're going to claim to be part of the tribe. I guess, so tribes are still a thing in 2017. Sure. All right. That Was that Clay Christensen's book or... Come on, it's Seth Godin. Seth Godin's book about tribes. Yeah, that's right. So there you go. Go read Seth Godin's book about tribes and then join one. So now that we've obliterated uh, niches or niches, however you like to say it. That is absurd. <laughs> here is my conversation with Drew, who is not absurd. Hi, I'm Drew Amoroso, and I'm the owner and founder of Move Legal, a San Francisco-based law firm where I practice fitness law, which essentially means that I represent innovators in the fitness, health and wellness, and supplement and paleo food industries. So we help emerging and established fitness companies grow their brand and protect their business. Uh, and that's move legal, right? As in get out, bust out a dance move? Exactly. Get, right. get moving, keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. How, how big is the firm? Uh, it's just me right now. Yep. Um, I'm about uh, five months out of uh, leaving my, my big firm job. Um, I have an administrator who, or an administrative assistant who works with me about half time. And then I have some other um, contractors, independent contractors that I engage. Um, and my intent is to, um, to, to grow the firm. Well, tell, tell me about the independent contractors. What are you using them for? Sure. So, uh, there's, fortunately for me, there was uh, a lot of, I actually started off with having a lot of work um, right from the get-go. Uh, I transitioned from a big law um, job where I was able to um, have some of my, my clients there come with me. So, I was fortunate to, to actually start with um, uh, a nice chunk of work right out of the gate. Um, and so, between establishing the firm and getting it set up and figuring out the day-to-day, uh, I really need some help actually doing the, the legal work, hmm. um, which is, which is a, a good and interesting place to be in. Plus, there are some um, there are some things that my clients need that I wasn't able um, to do for them, and so I would um, contract out some of that work. Mm-hmm. So, you said you got to take some clients with you. Were you already representing some health and wellness and fitness companies then? Yeah. So, I was at an international uh, firm for about five and a half years. That's where I started my career was at, yeah. was at a law firm. Uh, and I, I was doing financial services litigation, um, which was a, was a, it was a great firm and I had fantastic mentors and the firm was fantastic. But at some point I realized that it just really wasn't um, getting me out of bed in the morning. Um, and so I, I started a practice at the firm uh, that was specific to representing fitness and health and wellness companies. Um, and we called it the, the fitness innovation team. We essentially started a team there. Hmm. Uh, and so I was able to, to grow this little niche practice at a big firm, which I, I think was a unique thing. Um, and, you know, I give a lot of credit to the, the firm for allowing me to do that. Um, and then when it came time for me to, to transition and to start my own firm, um, you know, my clients all decided to, to come along with me, which was great. And it was a great way to start. Let, let's, let's talk about that then. So, um, so you'd been doing this uh, fitness innovation team for how long before you decided to go solo? I would say about a year and a half, maybe okay. coming up on two years. I mean, at what point did you decide, you know, I think I want to leave and do this on my own? Uh, <laughs> well, at some point, uh, I realized that, um, there was this, this whole group of young emerging fitness companies 
and I'm a, I'm a fitness person, so I'm, I'm connected with the San Francisco fitness community and actually uh, was a member at a gym where uh, they had the owners um, are pretty influential people in the fitness space. And they had all kinds of fitness innovators, young companies coming through there who were working with the owners. And I became friendly with them over the years um, and, and realized that they didn't have anyone who was helping them on issues that were specific um, to their industry. Um, so firms will have sports law practices, they'll have entertainment and media law practices, but the fitness industry is kind of its own unique industry, interesting industry with its own issues and relationships. Um, but no one was really practicing what I call fitness law. Yeah. They were they weren't really speaking to those issues and, and singling out those companies and saying, hey, I, you know, I understand your industry. Um, so I, I realized that that was the case and that there was a, a hole there. And so I started to just represent. I had one client, um, which turned into two, which turned into four. So you kind of um, you kind of created a niche, right? There, it's not like this was a recognized niche and there were, you were competing for people who were looking for a fitness company lawyer. Exactly. Yeah. I, and I researched this, uh, right around the time when I, when I realized that there was a gap and I didn't, I had never heard of anyone practicing fitness law before. Yeah. I wasn't aware of any, um, big or small firms that were specifically catering to clients in the fitness industry. So that was a pretty interesting revelation. And I saw an opportunity to, to work in a space where, you know, I'm very passionate about the, the space itself in my, in my personal life. And I, I understand that the products and, and um, the well, clients. And, and it's it's a big thing right now. I mean, I guess it's always kind of a big thing, but it, it feels like the last, I don't know, five, ten years have been kind of a boom in nutrition and fitness and all that kind of stuff. So, Yeah. I, I mean, it's a, I, I think in 2014, um, health clubs alone grossed like $25 billion. It was a $25 billion industry, which was like a, like a 10% increase from the previous year. Um, and you've got, you know, over 50 million Americans in 2014 belong to health clubs, which I think was a 20%, uh, or just 20% of the population. Yeah. Um, you've got this really consistent growth that you see happening. And then anecdotally, I mean, if you follow social media trends and, and you're looking at the types of new businesses that are popping up a great deal, those businesses are fitness and health and wellness related. So I think it's a huge industry. And so I was surprised that, um, no one was specifically marketing their legal services to to that group of people. Yeah. And so, uh, did you just decide, like, there's no point in me doing this within the firm? I can totally just go out and do on my own and do this? Or um, were you feeling hampered by being in the firm or or what? It was a little bit of both. Um, like I said, to, to the firm's credit, they were phenomenal in um, allowing me to, uh, to, to grow the practice there. Part of the problem was that, you know, I didn't have enough billable hours from those mm. my clients to, to meet my billable hour requirements. Um, plus, I I love doing the work. Yeah. <laughs> so I and I was only able to do it a couple hours a day, if that. Um, and then you know put in a bunch of extra time after hours trying to market and grow you know grow my own brand. Um, so that the tipping point for me really was that you know I got up every day and was excited about doing fitness law and wasn't able to do that as much as and I wanted. And the other stuff you just were trying to get out of the way so that you could focus on what you wanted to do. It, exactly. Yeah. I was going to kind of 
put up with that work, you know, meet my billable hour requirements so that I could actually focus on the work I wanted to do. So that was really what what drove me to, to start my own my own firm. So let's talk about that process because I think it's interesting. There, there's a few different ways to go solo. You know, some people go solo because they feel like they don't have any other choice. Some people do it, you know, aggressively and enthusiastically because they feel like it's better than their other options. But somebody who's got a well-paying firm job who, who decides to go solo is taking a different kind of a risk. Um, and so I'm curious about how, how that thought process went, how you planned for it, and how you eventually, you know, like I know, I know people who've been planning for years to go solo, but they've never really set a date and just jumped. And so I'm curious about how you made that, how you did that and how you thought it, thought it through and how you planned for it and how it all worked out. Yeah. So for a long time, I, I, I thought that I would grow the practice within the firm. Um, and I was comfortable with that. Um, but then I had a couple of people say to me, you know, you've got your own clients, you've got this great idea. Why don't you go out on your own? And I remember the first time someone suggested that to me, I thought, absolutely not. <laughs> no way. You know, this is, um, I don't, you know, all of the, the thoughts like, you know, I don't know enough, you know, will I make enough money? All of those things were the, you know, sort of the first thought that came to my mind. But after, you know, thinking about it for a couple of months and then also talking to, um, talking to colleagues who had left big firm jobs and started their own, you know, solo practices or small firms. Um, and also honestly reading things like the lawyerist, um, you know, reading articles that were on there, um, and looking at, you know, um, listening to stories of, of other people who had done it, I became more and more confident that this was, you know, viable for me. Um, and I think the other thing too, it's interesting that you, you know, you, you talked about risk. I think that there's, there's actually a lot of risk in just staying put too, you know? Well, I, I, nobody talks about that. So keep going. (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's a risk that I could wake up, you know, 10 years from now and think, wow, I missed, you know, the greatest opportunity of, of a lifetime to, you know, do something that I'm passionate about. Um, and there's a risk that I could have gotten fired. <laughs> you know, there, there's all there's mm-hmm. all sorts of risk downsizing. Yeah, I mean all kinds. Of, yeah, absolutely. And the other thing too, Sam, was I thought you know if you take if you think about um, if you think about you know taking something like going out on on your own and and let's say that it's a it's a complete failure, right? It's like what are you left with? Well, I'm left with five years of big law experience. Um, I'm left with a great network of people, and so you know, let's say it's a, it's a complete failure. I, I could just start over. I, I love that. I always, I usually call it the, the likely worst case scenario. Yeah. Um, yeah. and which is usually bankruptcy. Um, <laughs> but, but you, you get to carry some of those assets out of bankruptcy, right? You get to, you get to have your network, you get to have your experience, you get to have all that stuff that doesn't have anything to do with your marketability for future jobs, really. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think if you look at it that way, it's like, well, why wouldn't you take why wouldn't you take a risk? It's a, um, it's a chance at happiness versus guaranteed mediocrity. Absolutely, and I don't. I didn't want to, you know, be be stuck in, in an office building, you know, 10, 15 years from now, regretting, you know, not having made that that decision and, and taking that chance. So when I when I started to adopt that kind of mindset about it, it was a no brainer, um, and that was a hundred percent ready to go. It, it, I had I had done a one hundred and eighty degree turn, um, in terms of, um, my mindset about how to, how to approach it. And, and then it was like, okay, well, what am I, you know, I suppose as a, as somebody who 
both personally and professionally deals with wellness and fitness and health, those are all about self-improvement. And once you view your professional uh, goals in this a similar light, I suppose it's pretty easy to, to think about it in that way. Yeah. And one of, one of the, um, one of the best things about my practice is that I get to work with people who, as you say, are, uh, interested interested in, in improving the lives of, of other people. Right. And so just by their very nature, you know, the, the CEOs and some of the other folks that I work with on the, the business side are just very positive, motivated people. Mm-hmm. Um, I get to watch them, you know, grow their business and, and, um, you know, uh, see how it is that, that they operate. And that's very inspirational for me. I bet. So, so once you decided you were going to do it, uh, like what, how did you come up with your game plan? So I, I, I was saying to you before we got on that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm all about tangents, but let me bring you back. <laughs> <laughs> about, th- about this time, uh, last year, um, uh, I, I remember sitting down and just mapping out a, a plan. Like I took out a huge, sheet of, of paper and just kind of wrote down everything that I wanted the firm to be, all the resources uh, that I thought I would would need, um, you know, projected out a, a timeline um, and, you know, did a very rough back of a napkin budget. Um, and then from from there, um, I, you know, I, I started to, you know, kind of check off all these little boxes, right? So like understanding what tools I needed, um, getting myself ready and, and putting a timeline together. Did you save money? Uh, I did. I did save money, but um, I was actually surprised at how easy it was to get the firm off the ground. Hmm. You know, with just using um, my own my own funds, um, and it didn't really take too much. I mean, my practice is pretty portable, so I do a lot of uh, you know transactional work. So mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I don't necessarily need an admin for a lot of things. I, you know, it's not litigation. And so, um, it's not document heavy. So I really can take my laptop and kind of go anywhere and really operate the firm if I have to, you know, for a couple of weeks at a time. Well, without. I'll tell you what, let's, um, let's take two minutes to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, I want to talk more about that, more about the tools that you use, how portable things are, and, and we can geek out for a little bit. This podcast is supported by Ruby Receptionists. As a matter of fact, Ruby answers our phones at Lawyerist, and my firm was a paying Ruby customer before that. Here's what I love about Ruby. When I'm in the middle of something, I hate to be interrupted, so when the phone rings, it annoys me, and that often carries over into the conversation I have after I pick up the phone, which is why I'm better off not answering my own phone. Instead, Ruby answers the phone, and if the person on the other end asks for me, a friendly, cheerful receptionist from Ruby calls me and asks if I want them to put the call through. It's a buffer that gives me a minute to let go of my annoyance and be a better human being during the call. If you want to be a better human being on the phone, give Ruby a try. Go to callruby.com slash lawyerist to sign up, and Ruby will waive the $95 setup fee. If you aren't happy with Ruby for any reason, you can get your money back during your first three weeks. I'm pretty sure you'll stick around, but since there is no risk, you might as well try. You're investing time and money to grow your law firm. But what if you could make all of your marketing and business development work better? Spotlight Branding works exclusively with solo and small law firms. They create the internet foundation for their clients, which increases the return on their marketing investment by 2x, 5x, or more. Whether you develop business primarily through networking and referrals, by running ads on the radio or on the internet, 
or whatever the case may be, Spotlight Branding can create an internet presence for your law firm, which will make all of your marketing work better. Spotlight Branding services include law firm website design, email newsletter management, social media marketing, and more, all designed to help your law practice generate a higher return on the time and the money that you're investing into your marketing. Visit spotlightbranding.com lawyerist to see how they can help your firm stand out from the crowd and make 2017 your most profitable year ever. So you're racing against the clock to wrap up three client projects, prepping for a meeting later in the afternoon, all while trying to tackle a mountain of paperwork. Welcome to modern life as a small firm lawyer. The working world has changed. With the growth of the internet, there's never been more opportunities for the self-employed. To meet this need, FreshBooks is excited to announce the launch of an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom-built for exactly the way you work. Get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. The all-new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's also packed full of powerful features. Create and send professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds, set up online payments with just a couple of clicks, and get paid up to four days faster. See when your client has seen your invoice and put an end to the guessing games. FreshBook is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to our listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com lawyerist and enter lawyerist in the how did you hear about us section. And we're back. So, you were just talking about portability, which is, you know, one of, I love talking about the, all the geeky stuff. So, you have an office or don't you? I do. Okay. Yes. But you're, you let things move around and you're, you're able to work from anywhere, I assume? Yeah, it's, it's pretty easy. I just really need my, my laptop and the charger and I'm, I'm good to go. And you said you have an admin. Is that person work in your office or are they remote or? She comes in uh, once, once a week for about four hours. And so I, I do like the idea of being able to sit across from someone for mm-hmm. a couple of hours a week to explain things that we get to touch base and um, I, I can show her things on my screen and she can do the same. But for the most part, we're able to uh, uh, conduct business remotely. Um, and it's it's pretty seamless for the most part. And so, um, so it sounds like you've kept your overhead quite low. Yes. And you were able to bring some business with you. So, were you profitable in on month one? Uh, yeah, actually, <laughs> I was. Um, I was, again, really fortunate to be able to have a base of, of clients that I uh, could could bring with me. And I suppose you got to bill all of the time then instead of just getting paid your salary, which was a fraction of the time you billed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, was able to bill to bill all that time. And um, as I said before, you know, I had to um, bring in some contractors to kind of help me with some of the, the overflow, especially in the beginning when you're just trying to set up the business and understand how the day to day has to work. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, I was I was very fortunate in that respect. I always struggle with exactly how to ask this question uh, to get a meaningful response without requiring somebody to give me their, you know, profit and loss statements. But how is it? How is it going? Are you are you successful according to the goals that you set? And is this? Does it look like you're going to be able to do this as your job? I mean, I, I realize you're five months in, but I assume you've got some indications so far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's uh, I'm I'm hitting all of my financial projections, um, and I've you know I've I've got a twelve month um, plan and a 12 month budget in place and it's, it's aggressive. And I, I made it that way on purpose. <laughs> uh, cause I think you really need to set aggressive goals. If you're, you know, if you're the one who's in the cockpit every day, you know, pulling the levers and pushing the buttons, you really have to set some aggressive goals for yourself. Um, and so I have some other advisors and folks that I, that I work with who, um, you know, who, who keep me in check and, and who I rely on to, 
you know, give me some, um, some outside perspective, but yeah, it's, I've, I've been profitable so far and, and the business is growing and my goal is in the, uh, by the end of January, 2017 to hire my first associate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm on track to do that. And I think that that will, you know, only help to make the firm even more profitable. And my goal is to grow this. I, I don't, I, I never wanted to do this just to be Drew's, you know, getting by a uh, single person law firm. I, I have, um, some, some big goals for the firm and which includes bringing on, you know, associates and a full-time admin very soon. Mm-hmm. So, um, is the goal to replace your big law salary or is the goal to, um, work less and, and make less, but still a comfortable amount? Do you have a, some targets in mind there? Yeah. My, my goal is, is definitely to, um, continue to grow to the point where I can sort of, you know, hire my replacement, mm-hmm. um, like to hire someone who can come in and, and, you know, uh, work in the firm so that I can work on the firm. Yeah. So, you know, work, work on the business side. Um, you, you must've read the, uh, um, the e-myth. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> yeah. And there's all sorts of books that I read, you know, talking about getting prepared to leave. That was one of the things that I, that I read. Um, I'm also part of a, a group called how to manage a small law firm. I don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar with those folks, but um, I'm part of that program and some of the content that they put out and the programming is phenomenal. Um, and that's helped me to wrap my head around, um, um, you know, how I want to grow. Um, but yeah, I, I at some point I want to, I would like to hire my replacement and, and would like to, to work on the firm. Um, and, and not only, re, you know, replace my big firm salary, but hopefully, you know, exceed it. And I, I think with some careful planning, that's, a that's definitely a possibility. So tell me about um, do, building a niche like this because it's um, or niche, I guess, if you prefer. I, I don't know. I was raised to say niche, I guess. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> um, like how? Do, so so what's what's your marketing plan look like for reaching this specific group of people? So my marketing plan at the at the outset was really just a word. It was sort of a word of mouth campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there was a, a really great group of emerging fitness companies who were all sort of connected to one another in, in Southern California and also the Bay area. And so as soon as I had a, you know, a couple of clients that were in that, uh, niche, um, Mm -hmm. then I think word just sort of spread. Um, and so that was, that was actually the way that, that my marketing worked was I, I just, you know, would, would do, um, would, would work with one client and they would tell another and then it sort of, um, spread that way. Um, then, you know, that, that only will take you so far. So, um, after that I started, you know, after maybe six months of that, I started to, to write a lot, um, you know, to, to blog and put out content. Um, I started to have a a presence on social media because that's where my clients live. That's where their clients live. And so I wanted to have a presence there so I could follow them and understand what they were doing and also let them know that I understood that the mediums that they travel in. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing I would say about having a, a, a practice like this is that, you know, for me, it was, it, I think there's a level of enthusiasm that I bring to my practice because I, I honestly really do care about the work and I want nothing more than to see my clients succeed. Um, and I, you know, I get up every day and I'm pumped to go to work. <laughs> so, you know, and I, I think that it's not necessarily the case, um, for, 
for some attorneys and, and certainly wasn't the case for me um, at, the, at the start of my career. Um, but, but I think that that enthusiasm really um, allows you to you know, develop the kind of, of practice that, that you want. And especially, I found something that I'm genuinely interested in too. So that's allowed me to, to um, expand within, within the industry. Um, cause I think people recognize that I'm, I'm genuinely interested in the, in, um, in helping them and I, that I understand the product. So, um, do you know, do things like go and tour your, I mean, do you, do you take time to go work out at all of your clients, different gyms or, um, visit their, their places and, and buy their snack food or their healthy snack food or whatever? Do you, do you actually, um, kind of do the rounds? Absolutely. I don't, no one has ever, none of my clients have ever come to my office ever. Hmm. Um, I always go to them. Uh, I like, you know, instead of going out for drinks, I'll go and we'll have a workout at their mm-hmm. gym. <laughs> um, so it's, it's definitely a different kind of, uh, relationship. A lot of their products, I actually just was using, you know, some of my clients, I was using their products, um, before I ever worked with them and then got to know them and, and, um, and then there you go. Um, you know, I understand what their, what the product is and who they're trying to, um, to reach. So yeah, I, I go and work out. I, I, I buy their products that that's, that's a really exciting part of it for me. So let me get this straight. You actually, you're like, uh, Hey, let's come over and talk about your, uh, your waiver that you need signed and, uh, run me through a workout while we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. That's (laughs) that's the way that it it goes down. Uh, I mean, I've heard of people doing walking meetings, but I'm trying to imagine what a CrossFit meeting would look like. (laughs) Yeah. You you can't really talk, talk business while you're in the middle of it because you're breathing so heavy. But afterward, uh, is when uh, a lot of the business gets done. But yeah, I mean, that's the fun part, right? Like I, I get to go out and, um, and meet them on their turf, which I think is really important. You know, I don't think that they have the time to come in to Mm -hmm. talk. Um, I, and I'd rather make it easier for them to, to, you know, make it as, as seamless a, a process as possible and, you know, so that there's the least amount of disruption to their business. So, and I just love, you know, going off site and, uh, um, and visiting them. Uh, that sounds fun. And like, I want to have that practice now. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, so when we circling back again, um, I feel like I keep dragging you off the point, but um, but what what is the technology? What kind of software do you use to make sure that you can draft a contract or to even just take notes while you're sitting in a client's gym? Yeah, so I have some pretty simple tools that I use. You know, starting from the, the beginning of the relationship, I use Lexicata um, to onboard clients, and have found that to be a, um, a really efficient way to, um, get folks in the door. Um, I was always surprised at my big job where we would send these like engagement agreements where we would, you know, require that they, they sign, they hand sign. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that was sort of archaic. Um, and I always wondered why, why we did that, but you know, Lexicata removes having to do that. Um, it's a great CRM too that that I use a lot. Um, I use Clio, uh, and then I also use uh, QuickBooks online, um, and, and you know the three of those talk—they all talk to each other. So that's been super helpful. Um, I use Slack and Trello. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with Trello, but I use that to sort of manage uh, tasks with my administrative assistant. Oh, um, yeah. So like we'll we'll put up boards in Trello, and we'll say, okay, yo, here's you know, here's five or six projects that I'd, I'd like you to do. And then, 
um, she will go in and kind of attack, you know, these are the high priority, these are the medium priority. So, do you um, get, do you do a board per client or do you do one big board or a few different boards or how, how do you organize that? I'm curious. Yeah. So, we have, uh, she and I have a, a board that's, or two boards, two or three boards that are administrative focused. And then I personally have boards that are, you know, pending work, you know, future work. Uh, and some other, you know, daily, I'll, I'll set up, you know, like a, this is what I want to do Tuesday. This is what I want to do Wednesday. And I'll, you know, Trello, if you've ever used it is we, we use it for lawyers. So that's why I'm curious. Yeah. I, I have my own systems on it and, uh, and we, I kind of geek out with other, um, with other Kanban people about it. And, um, yeah. so it's just a great way to, to shift, to shift around projects, right? So you can take it from one, you know, one trough to another really easily and add all sorts of notes and pictures and things like that. So I find that to be very helpful. And then Slack, I think is great because I don't want to, you know, there's so much back and forth that happens between us um, that I don't want to clog up inboxes. Yeah. Uh, and so that's a, that's a super easy way for us to have conversations without, without doing that. Do you just use that internally or have you thought about using it with clients? So I have a couple, I actually do use it with uh, three or four of my clients um, and that's and that's actually been a great way for for us to to communicate um, and again like keep the keep the inbox um, uncluttered. Yeah, um, we use that with uh, I'll, I'll use LawPay also. I use Dropbox um, for for file and document management. Um, so yeah, some some really simple tools. I use Byword sometimes when I'm when I'm trying to draft and don't want to deal with. Um, you know, having to format and <laughs> just <laughs> just want to crank out um, some good content. I, I use Byword. Are you lot. an Evernote user too? You know, I was for a while, but then I found that I I had too many uh, too many systems that were trying to keep me organized. That I it was causing me to be unorganized. <laughs> that's what that's what I struggle with too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and Evernote. I, I think you know Trello. Um, kind of replaced Evernote for me in that sense. And I, for whatever reason, the, the visuals that are associated with, with Trello are much easier for me to follow. So that's what I've, that's what I chose. Very cool. So let me kind of, by way of getting towards a wrap up, um, I'm curious about some of the challenges that you've had to overcome to this point. Um, what have, what have been the hardest parts and, uh, and how have you overcome those challenges to get to your practice here to five months? Yeah. So I think the biggest change for me was going from being in an environment where I could walk down the hall and, you know, pass something by a more seasoned attorney and say, hey, you know, what do you, what do you think about this? You know, mm-hmm. I, I think this is right, but what do you what do you think about about this? Um, and that's kind of how the way a big firm works. So there was this built in uh, approval mechanism, I guess. Um, that is totally gone when you are by yourself and you're the only, you're the only attorney there. So initially it was, uh, I felt the need to have someone else sort of, whether it was, you know, uh, business related or, um, actual legal issues and developing strategy, things like that. I had this desire to just run everything by somebody. Um, but it, you know, it turns out that I didn't need to do that. I, I could, I could really make do without having that, you know, another person there to sort of sign off on what it was that I wanted to do. 
Um, and you kind of have to adopt that, that mindset as a, as a solo. I mean, you, you, you know, this having had your own yeah. practice, you just kind of become comfortable with that. Um, Did you also find it difficult to, um, to hold yourself accountable? Cause there's nobody else out there chasing you down for deadlines and things. You know, that's, that's one thing that, um, I haven't had too much trouble with. Um, I've just been really excited about being able to get this off the ground. And I, I really feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Um, sometimes I think it's for me, the, the struggle is to figure out what to do first because there's, you know, initially I was my own secretary. I was the associate. I was the, the partner. I was the owner. I was the paralegal. I was all the things the, you know, the head yeah. of marketing. <laughs> so, you know, trying to figure out what to do to, to grow my business responsibly and at the rate that I wanted to grow it at, um, and get all of the, the work done. I think that was the biggest challenge for me, but you know, now that I'm five, five, six months into it, I'm, I'm getting better at prioritizing and understanding the, the, the normal flow of yeah. the work day, um, which is, allows me to, you know, to, to prioritize in a, in a, uh, efficient way. Very cool. Um, Drew, thank you so much for being with us today and for talking about your practice and building a niche and leaving Big Law. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Sam. Make sure to catch next week's episode of The Lawyerist Podcast. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit lawyerist.com slash podcast or legaltalknetwork.com. You can subscribe via iTunes or anywhere podcasts are found. Both Lawyerist and the Legal Talk Network can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play or iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said during this podcast is legal advice.